Hey, Bob, what are you doing over there? Hey, Max, just doing some updates to our social media. You know, I'm a Twitter guy, so I'm doing my update on MTTM Bob. Oh, what about the MT Time Machine? Oh, yeah, the MT Time Machine, too. That's right. Hey, man, I got a great idea. We should cut a promo together. Wouldn't that be cool? Not a bad idea. What are you thinking? A promo? Come on down to Zazzle.com slash MT Time Machine. That's MT, the letters. And buy yourself some... Stuff. We got a tote bag. You can email me at movietheatertimemachine at jmron.com, and also you can look us up at Facebook. Tell me my logo is pretty. I made it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's good stuff, too. She's a pretty Yay! talented artist. Kaz is great. I think that's great, guys. I think we can cut that. Yeah, yeah sounds good. When do you want to record it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, I think we'll do that at some point. Yeah. Well, Wait. we might as well just put a show together. Yeah, yeah let's that's go a good do idea. It. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast. I'm your announcer, Max. Hey, today we got a fun one for you folks. We got The Wolfman starring Lon Chaney Jr. and Claude Rains from 1941. This movie's actually fun. It's one of our first Universal Monster movies, but I think we've done some before. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to have a good time. And hey, if you've never seen this podcast before, we have a time machine when we have people. We pull people from time from the year the movie was released, and we go ahead and send them right back. And we have a good time, folks, and you have a good time, too. So go ahead and enjoy yourself and have a wonderful day. And enjoy the show. We're going to turn it over to Kaz and Nick. Okay, have a good day, folks. Bye-bye. All right, thank you very much, Max. I'm Nick, and this is kind of weird. It's the first time I'm flying solo, and I really don't have any idea what to do about this. Uh... What we said in the in the intro, you heard some of the promos. Uh, Kaz is actually a fantastic, wonderful artist. Um, she her season is up. Her ornaments are starting to begin. So go search Kaz Fox on Etsy and on Zazzle and anywhere else you see us. Also, we'll have links on Facebook later. So she's busy making the money. So I'm here having some fun. I guess I got permission to do that. So this is kind of an interesting thing, but you just heard a little bit of a different intro as well. So from Blockbuster Dropouts, joining me is one I consider the godfather of movie theater oh, time thank machine. thank you. The <laughs> godfather. Go All right. I'll make you an offer you can probably refuse. <laughs> I, I'm happy to be here. I'm sorry Kaz is not here, but I'm, I'm glad to fill in. We're going to have a little bit different episode, I guess, today. Yeah. So we might not, instead of dipping into the time machine, they dipped into uh, 1974 <laughs> and they grabbed uh, Josh Costa out of it. Um, granted, it's present day Josh Costa, not infant Josh Costa. <laughs> Um, well, we had Infant Me before. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was I, a fun episode. That was a fun one. Yeah. No, so, Nick, I yes. want you to know that I love Universal Monsters, and oh, I'm so yeah. happy that you yeah. invited me for this. Yeah. Um, to tell the uh, people that maybe have not listened to my show, yeah. um, I am covered in Universal Monster tattoos. I, I don't have a Wolfman tattoo, even though uh, he's one of my favorites, and I'll go into reasons later. Yeah. Um, but I do have a... 
um, Herman Munster t- tattoo, which is Universal Monsters, believe it right. or not. Universal did put that out. Right. I have the Invisible Man, which is probably one of my favorites. I have two Creature from the Black Lagoons. Um, so I have a, a huge horror collection at home, too, in terms of uh, memorabilia and stuff like that. Uh, I love The Mummy. I love, I, I mean, I even love like Frankenstein versus The Wolfman and all the, the ones that even got cheesier as they went on. Yeah. So one of the things I've always wanted to ask you, yes. what is it initially that drew you to all this? Um, I'm always, always a fan of horror. Yeah. Um, and w- as a child, uh, growing up in the 80s, everybody loved Jason and Freddy. I mean, it was like, yeah. Yeah. Right um, on, yeah. So yeah. I also started to appreciate movies and cinematography. Um, when Tim Burton started to come out with um, Edward Scissorhands and things like that. Yep. Um, yeah. When I would see these old movie clips, I could definitely see the influences of some of these greater directors. Um, yeah. But it's really the gothic style. I'm really into just that gothic feel of the the smoke and the black and white photography. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the movie Ed Wood. Uh, and that movie, Ed Wood, probably sent me down the road of discovering all the Bela Lugosi movies, who's in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, certainly the even the silent films. I, I know that you guys just did... Um, Metropolis, right? Yeah, when we did Cabin in the Dark to Carla Gardner. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what we did, right. And yeah. I did, I was listening to that episode. That was a great episode. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love those, even the silent films, uh, yeah. the original Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney Sr. Um, yeah, that's really it, man. I, I And the funny thing is, is like we were talking, and I'm going to actually go out about another podcast called You Must Remember This. And um, it's one of those that absolutely is a... Uh, Karen was actually very, very nice enough to uh, reach out to me privately on Facebook and give some tips on uh, how to be able to go about conducting this one. And I am going to do a few. But one of the things she said that was really, really interesting was these Universal Monster movies, they were not taken seriously when they were released. Right. At all. And like it wasn't until the 50s or the 60s when they really started to take off. I know. Yeah. Um, the, the president of Universal didn't want to make the movies no. Dracula or Frankenstein, even though Frankenstein was the jaws of its day. Right. It was the highest grossing movie. Yeah. Um, he yeah. didn't want to make it. His son was pushing it. Yeah. Um, and then those movies went into seclusion right. until the 50s started to air the movies again. Yeah. And by that time, Boris Karloff was an older man. Right. Um, yeah, it was a big, yeah. but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, right now, you must remember this is doing a series of with uh, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff exclusively. Nice. And I mean, it, it's just, it's a great podcast. It's in its own right. Um, but she went through it. And one of the things that was interesting is Bela Lugosi really is one of those actors that he worked for cheap. Yep. And when we get into that, like, you'll see basically, like, it, I would imagine somebody just waved enough dollars in front of him to say, hey, can you do this for a day? Right. And he went, yeah, okay, well, sure, he, yeah. He kind of had a tragic story where True. Dracula was a huge success. Yeah. Um, And then he was cast as Frankenstein. There's actually posters that have yeah. his name as Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but then he didn't want all the makeup. He was right. felt he was too attractive of an artist. And yeah. After that, um, he really didn't get a lot of roles. He got pigeonholed as a junkie, and um, true that. It, so it was difficult for him to get roles. And he took these roles, like playing Bella the Gypsy, yeah, um, and then eventually leading to the Ed Wood type movies, where yeah. he would take any type of role. Yeah, and he also, I mean, you're right. He just took anything, but he was also an immigrant that he learned English basically through the scripts. Yep. That he had, you know, where he would read them and read them through phonetically. 
and then get through it. I mean, I can only imagine how long it took yeah. to get through everything there. And um, I uh, just want to make a quick, quick, quick adjustment on that because I realize I just called the 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 creator of you. Just remember this, Karen. It's Katrina Longworth. So I apologize. Katrina, sorry. Yeah, no, no, she's good. She's really exceptionally nice to us, even though, you know, we clearly took some influence from her show. Yeah, well, quite a bit, um, but, and we took influence from you too, so. That's all right. I mean, <laughs> what do they say? Uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? Yeah, true, true. Um, so and yeah. I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so, who is, two questions. Who's your favorite Universal Monster character? Uh, and then who is your favorite Universal Monsters actor? So in terms of like the Lon Chaney, Beryl Lugosi, Basil, Ra- Basil Rathbone. Um, all right. So f- best one of all, I would really say, I mean, I'm going to go very casual, is Frankenstein. So Frankenstein? Yeah, Frankenstein in general. I think it's Very just, sympathetic yeah. character. I mean, Kaz and I did, when we were in college, we did a play and... Um, Go on the internet and find it. It's called Division by Zero. And basically, we wrote the Frankenstein story, but in the modern day, back in the early 2000s, but the monster has to go to school. Nice. And, you know, go to high school and deal with teenage angst. So it was kind of like Frankenstein meets the Breakfast Club. Awesome. And uh, one of the things I learned, and it's, I'm going to say, it, it, I was excited to do this because it is Lon Chaney Jr. is my favorite actor. Nice. Because he is the only one out of all of it that is the, um, he is the only one to don all four of the major Universal Monsters. Yeah, absolutely right. Alone. So at that point where he, uh, one movie where um, I forgot whose name it was, but somebody who was doing the, um, I think it was Boris Karloff who broke his leg and uh, broke his ankle, and then Lon Chaney Jr. had to get into the Frankenstein makeup to finish a few scenes. Yeah. He was the mummy. He was the Invisible Man. Uh, he did do Dracula and the Wolfman. Yeah, did the Wolfman, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's your. What about you? Um, my favorite character is Creature from the Black Lagoon. I yeah. know that it's not a classic monster. Well, it can technically is now a classic monster, but it was released in the fifties. Yeah. I just always had a love for that f- yeah. creature. Um, my favorite actor is got to be Boris Karloff. He's just amazing. But yeah. I do love uh, Glenn Strange Frankenstein, and I do feel sympathetic for. Um, Lon Chaney, because Lon Chaney Jr. obviously was an alcoholic, had a very difficult life. He right. drank himself to death. Um, but the Wolfman character, especially the later Wolfman movies, yeah. they basically revolve around him begging people to lock him up or kill him. Right. You know, as they progressed, <laughs> yeah. the Wolfman was more like, kill me, please, kill me. Like, you know, and. He, true, yeah, and he was true. so good in it. Yeah. And Lon Chaney also was nominated for Academy Award um, yeah. for Mice and Men. Um, so, yeah. He was? Yep. Oh, yep. cool. So, um, yeah. yep. Oh, that's why I'm fact. glad to have you here. It's just some of the stuff I don't know. So we don't pretend to yep. be experts either. So That's all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've watched... Um, you know, I used to have the giant box set. Now yeah. I have the movies on um, download. But the thing that sucks about the download is when I had the giant box set, they had a documentary for each character. So they had a documentary oh. on the creature from the Black Lagoon, a documentary on the Invisible Ooh, Man. Yeah. And it, if you can ever find it, the one is called A Monster by Moonlight. Yeah. And uh, it's the documentary is made by, I'm trying to remember the director's name, the guy who did American Werewolf in London. Um, he's a huge director. What's his name? Oh my God, it's gonna kill me. But he made the documentary "A Monster by Moonlight." If you ever um, can find it on YouTube, 
very good documentary. Yeah, no, it does sound like one, and you never stared me wrong either. Yeah. So I'm actually looking it up as we speak, too. I kind of feel like I'm the Dan of this episode. All right. I guess. <laughs> uh, we need a Dan. I always need a Dan. Yeah, I do. Uh, David, uh, uh, I lost it. No. I'll look it up. Yeah. American so. Werewolf in London. All right. So at least one of the things that really fascinated me with this is um, one of the things I'd like to get into you about with uh, talking about is what actually scares people. Like why, what is the horror aspect of this? And Kaz and I came up with a few theories last night, and one of them we thought was like, okay, this is pretty much it. And we've explored like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari with what is the horror presence of it would somebody could go insane or could be crazy and not even know it. And, you know, or, you know, or just people who are afraid of some different delusions or Halloween when, you know, you had the jump scares or you had that crazy guy in your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you find it or? Um, I'm John Landis. John Landis. Oh, okay, good. Who good. does a lot of comedy movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he directed that because he loves, loves, loves Wolfman. He did um, Blues Brothers, Coming to America, a lot of movies like that. that. Oh, Coming to America is one yeah. of my favorites of all time. <laughs> so, so in terms of what scares people, yeah. I'm not a really good person to ask because yeah. um, I don't generally get scared. I've only got scared in yeah. one movie that I can really remember, and that was Silence of the Lambs. Um, it was probably when she was walking down the hall with all the serial killers and the one guy splooges on her and stuff. <laughs> it's really creepy scene. Uh, <laughs> Actually, yeah, because I remember that when I first saw that, and it was the I was falling asleep. I saw it when I was maybe nine years old on that scene, and there was the scene where he's in the ambulance and he takes the guy's face off. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, but that's, that's a good point. How old were you when you saw that? All right, so that movie was released in the late 80s. So yeah. I was probably just in high school because 1984 was 10 years old. So you yeah. have to figure out I was at least 14, 15, or 16 years okay, old. Okay, so it's, uh, but if you saw that today, you'd look at it and go, okay, these are the effects, these are things. But also yeah. what you just said was the 80s. Yeah. So this time period where it's the early 40s, that's where you got to look at it. How is this a horror movie for that time? I would agree because yeah. they didn't have the shock and the violence that you see today no. not didn't have the media um and if you notice there's a lot of religious overtones in all of these movies and part of the reason why is that um universal couldn't get these movies done without submitting them to a uh some sort of religious board to look it over right. that's yeah. why a bride of frankenstein has a lot of uh, inside jokes if you ever see the documentary yes. but um <laughs> With the Wolfman, especially, you know, like at the beginning of the movie, they talk about astrology. Right. And um, he goes, Well, I'm kind of a novice at astrology. And he goes, We're all novices. There's only one yeah. person that is an expert on astrology, you know? And so they. <laughs> good. They, no, I no. feel like they steep these things in, in re religion a little bit because they want to pry on your fears of hell and the devil and the supernatural. And that's pretty much where we were and i'll get to that point here but when we jump through this movie because it doesn't have a lot of a plot so it shouldn't be too long yep. and then we do have a thing that we have is called fantasy casting and that's where we want to be able to spend some time on that sounds good yep so I'm familiar I, with your uh yeah <laughs> with your show yeah well, that's all that that's that's a good thing so so we have sometime in the early 20th century, after learning about his brother's death, Larry Talbot, who's played by Don Chaney Jr., 
uh, goes dead back to Wales to re- basically reconcile with his father, who's played by Claude Rains and his Sir John Talbot. And while Larry becomes romantically interested in a girl who's Gwen Conliffe. Now, you just mentioned one part of it is, you know, he... Um, <laughs> He gets reconnected, and they go see, okay, you haven't seen him in 18 years, and his brother died, and the brother happens to look just like him. But you mentioned something. Yes. Claude Rains <laughs> looks nothing like Lon Chaney it's Jr. It's the most ridiculous casting in the world. How, like, you just picture with the first pilot, I, I, I thought about what you said, and I watched it again, you know, for a couple times, and I'm like, how freaking ugly was his mother? Exactly. <laughs> Here's the worst part of all, okay? <laughs> I, I like to call this casting the Marvel Comics casting. <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean by that is Marvel Comics will go and say, we're just going to go get someone that's a good actor, right? <laughs> if we get all good actors, then these movies are bound it's to be good. Yeah, true, so true. they were like, we need a good actor. Let's get Claude Rains. He's a great actor. And mm. then... To make matters worse, they mm. make the picture of his dead brother look identical to him. <laughs> and like you said, it's like, first off, his father's like two feet shorter than him. <laughs> like his father's like five foot six, and Lauren Chaney's like six foot four, right? <laughs> and his brother looks just like him. It's like either his mother is really ugly, or you know what it's hilarious? She's some Amazonian woman or it something. It is an Amazonian woman. But what I would have fucking loved <laughs> is if they had had Lon Chaney dress as an old man and show up as the mailman. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like the fucking mailman. Like, <laughs> the two brothers look just <laughs> like the, the the mailman, right? Or the gardener, or the pool boy, something, right? Like this old man shows up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, <laughs> I would just love it. Oh. Don't worry, I bit your mom years ago. <laughs> He's, like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, it's good to see you. You know what's funny? is like, you ever run into somebody and yeah. it's like, you look at their kid and man, it looks just like the dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah, like, dude, true. there yeah. is no doubt that dad is your kid. Like, you don't need Maury Povich. You don't need a paternity <laughs> test. That's your fucking kid. But yeah. there's other times you see a kid and you're like, Whose jeans is this? <laughs> I always think of my favorite paternity scene in any movie yeah. is the end of the first Naked Gun yeah. when um, they think that, I mean, what's his name? Frank Drevin thinks he's having a baby, yeah. right? And he's in the wrong room and the baby comes out and it's black <laughs> and he looks at O.J. Simpson's like he slept with his wife or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar to that is the the trauma films that I think of too, and it's a very similar yeah. thing. Have you ever seen the movie Tromeo and Juliet? L- probably a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Well, it's basically the same story, but just like you know, eighties teens, you know, very stereotypical, yeah. but Romeo and Juliet that way. And at the very end, they end up. It ends up being the twist reveal that they're brother and sister. Yes. So they go, oh my god, and he says. How did, you know, it's like, and he tur- looks to his dad, he goes, didn't you notice for years that I'm black? And he goes, I always fucking wondered about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. It is one of those, I thought, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, and here, we were just laughing for days about that. It was just weird stupidity. But here's the thing with this part of the movie where, you know, they go to the observatory, they're looking, you know, and he repairs the telescope. He's like, oh, yeah, I learned some things in California. Okay, that's good. But Claude Rains has a bit of an English accent, sort of. Yes. Lon Chaney Jr. is just pure American. Yep. Mostly everybody else is pure American. 
So it really doesn't matter. But he looks through the, he goes, okay, the dad leaves. And the first thing he does is he starts looking through the freaking windows to see what he could find. Exactly. He's kind <laughs> of a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a pervert. There's pervert and provert. Yeah. He's definitely on the pervert side. Yes. Yeah. Provert would definitely be something like, okay, somebody who has, you know, some sexual humor and do that, but it does work for a better good. Yeah. And pervert, it is okay. He's for his own interest, and he goes into the antique shop. He goes, and no, uh, this is one that set us both back. And he says, "Oh yeah, you know, I want earrings. Okay, we have these." He's like, no, 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 I want the half moon earrings that hang down a little bit, like the ones in your bedroom dresser. What? I know. It's like very creepy. Like normally, like if you let's say you were, t- this was real life, okay? Yeah, like, right, and, yes, and you were right. like doing a telescope right now in this in our lovely uh, palatial estate, right? Yeah. And then we move down, and all of a sudden we see some girl getting dressed. Would you continue to look? You'd be like, no, like this is like wrong, right? This is like <laughs> I'm like invading this person's privacy, right? And uh, you would look away. This guy not only does he do that, he embellishes he on it, he focuses on it. <laughs> then he goes and calls her out. Then she's like, I shouldn't be here. I love this scene. In like two minutes, she's like going for a walk with him. She's like, I shouldn't be here. I'm. Ma- to be married to yeah. Chuck Biscuits, you know? And he's <laughs> like, well, Chuck Biscuits ain't here. I'm like, this guy's a fucking yeah. gangster. Like, yeah. what's going on? And he gets there. He's like, okay, I'll buy a cane from you. But he never walks with the cane. He always carries it. He carries it. And the thing was, is I always personally, like years ago when I was a much fatter man and I had back problems, I walked with a cane all the time. Yeah. A lot, and you know, okay, did everything I had to do, but then it's just he walks the entire time with the cane, walking like, okay, hey, I got a cane, I got a cane I bought from this girl. Why did he do that? Like, just at least one moment, just a uh, one scene walking just with show it. it. I think it's, it, that was the time where people carried canes, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, Top hats and canes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can. But I understand. I, I, I would that. love like, that cane, though, with yeah, the, the pentagram cane is on it. With the wolf. Yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> that is pretty kick ass, too. But the. Uh, so, yeah, as you said here, Gwen. Um, when he gets there, Gwen tells him it represents the werewolf and, you know, at certain times of year, fall. Do you remember so, the, uh, the, the saying that they. Say throughout the whole movie. Yeah, every, I have it written right here. Every man, uh, even a man who is pure of heart, says his prayers at night may uh, may become a werewolf when wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Absolutely, yeah. they say it like five times during the movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah they do here. Even Jenny does that, and then they go visit the fortune teller, and there's Bela and. Uh, first time I thought it okay. They reads the fortune, and then you see that he sees there's the star on him, and kind of good foreshadowing. And he sees it in you know in her palm. Yep. And then they're like, oh okay. So like, okay, what was that? And he's like, okay, you need to go away. You need to go away. I saw the star. I immediately thought of Mario Brothers. <laughs> so like, nice. okay, he's either gonna run away quick or he's gonna kill everybody in his sight. And he's gonna kill everybody in sight. So yeah, it kind of works, you know. So the um, you know he there's a sudden wolf attack and of course you know he Larry steps in you know to be the savior and beats the hell out of this you know wolf itself yes fine and dandy but then they see you know there's a guy who has no you know no shoes on or anything and then you realize it is the fortune teller it's Bella Lugosi right yeah and. and and I think that, you know, to me, this scene really works. Um, I really liked it, and I really started to get into the movie at this yeah. point. Um, me too, yeah. And I yeah. like the, the the atmosphere from that scene where they're walking through the woods, and he's walking alone with the girl. Yeah. 
And another great part about this was that they call Larry out on his insegression. I mean, insegressions like where later on in the movie, in the next scene or so, when they're questioning everybody, when the family goes to question the girl in yeah. the shop, they're like, why were you walking with this man? You were engaged to be. You know, yeah. like I like the that aspect of it is yeah. that uh, it's an unsettling um, where you're thinking like, okay, is is Larry responsible for murder? Is it, yeah. I mean, they tried to add some depth to the story, I think. And I think as the time as it progressed, you know what he needed to find, you know where right. he found out slowly is like, yeah, you know what, I did kill these people, right? And I did do that. Okay, I am a pro- I am a problem, and actually one of my favorite scenes later, which didn't make any sense as to what her motives were, but. All through this, it's a period of a few days, right? You know that we see this, and kind of like the Rome, or ironically, what I brought up to Romeo and Juliet, or kind of like the Romeo and Juliet vibe, yeah. You know, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. So yeah, there's the fortune teller and uh, Mel- uh, Melva who reveals to Larry that he has the animal that's bid him, and uh, bid him was actually her son Bela, and there's the scene that I personally like where he starts to really realize, oh shit, I did do this, you know, where he visits them in the con- you know, the body in the convent, sees them inside the inside the coffin. Like, yes. Oh crap, you know, and even the village is, is there, like, oh, that's the body of the fortune teller, and that's the guy who killed him. Right. And these two old ladies, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let's go to lunch now. <laughs> I love it, and and you're absolutely right, and you know. Yeah. That's you know my father loves the Wolfman out of all the Universal monsters is his favorite and uh, yeah. it's really because of the other movies as he goes on he just gets more psychotic about yeah. like knowing that he's a murderer knowing that he's yeah. the Wolfman that craziness of n- knowing that you can you're gonna turn into a killer I, I'm sure it's a metaphor for a lot of things like I'm sure yeah. there's, there's people that are. Um, you know, know that they they can snap and go crazy and have right. bits of aggression. Right. And that's actually one of the points where we had a bit of a theory of what were they going for as horror at this time period. Right. What you had was there was a lot of different foreign entities and people had these small villages of one church, one way of thinking, yes. and everybody knew everybody. You know, um, Gwen was mar- you know going to be engaged to marry this guy, who maybe she married him eventually, who knows, you know. Right. Maybe. Um, but, you know, they're like, oh, we grew up together. We knew that's kind of been arranged to do so. And then he comes in and just basically tears this village apart. Yeah. But they're all poking at each other. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, equivalency of what is like communism, you know, communism versus the free world. Who's a communist in this area? Or who's, you know, not right? Who is not Christian? Who is not, you know, who's different? Who's going to tear this tight little neighborhood apart? Yeah. I think that's where they were going for in this. Right. I do agree with that. I think also is that you look at the Lon Chaney Jr. uh, on his own. Like, he was an alcoholic. He was someone that had a temper. And I am sure that there were times that he was the nicest guy in the world, but then he started drinking and turned into a... Ooh, a yeah. monster of yeah. some sort. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that uh, alcoholism and domestic abuse, it's revel- It's obviously relevant today as it was back then. Right. But I do think back then a lot of people li- lived with it in secrecy. So they'd be oh. married to these mm. people that okay. were perfectly normal society, had jobs and looked like sane people and probably would go home and drink. And back then divorce was shunned. 
upon. So yeah. people were probably miserable. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm sure a lot of people lived with people that they felt were like the Wolfman, which were yeah. nice during the day, and at night their demons would come yeah. out. Yeah, so the poking of like, you know, can I trust this person who I've known all my life or, right. you know, who, I, or who I just met? Exactly. And, you know, we're... Uh, where were we here? Just looking at my notes. So the um, you know Talbot transforms into a wolf-like creature, and you know he starts to realize, okay, he's killing the grave digger. And one of the things I personally I wanted to ask you: Why do you think Bela was portrayed as an actual wolf? Like Lon Chaney was sort of like a man in wolf's clothing. Bela Gosi did not like to have heavy makeup on him. Now. The man, I'm trying to think of, I've been trying to think of it all episode, the guy who did the Universal Monsters makeup. Um, well, Lon Chaney Jr. did a lot of it himself, too. Um, Lon Chaney Sr. did most of it, all of his makeup. But yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. did use um, the makeup artist for uni- Universal Monsters. Let me look up his name, because he is okay. considered to be one of the the greatest uh, makeup artist in the world. Yeah. There's so, a documentary on him, too. He was a wicked asshole. Yeah. Um, he just had an ego. But yeah. We, I'm sorry, guys. So, no, no, this up. is Josh Reed's IMDb. So, uh, so um, <laughs> Jack Pierce was the name of the artist. Yep. Um, he is considered to be, he designed the Frankenstein makeup, the univer- the Wolfman makeup. Um, so he did most of the makeup. He's considered to be... Obviously a genius, but also an asshole. Right. Um, but yeah, he, uh, there's a scene, there's a really good picture of Lon Chaney Jr. And he's going to punch out um, Jack Pierce. He's got like his fist up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You look into that documentary, guys. You will not be disappointed. Jack yeah. Pierce. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm definitely game for but it Jack, myself. Yeah. But Lon Chaney Sr., yeah. you're absolutely right, did all of his makeup. Yeah. Now, I'm sure Lon Chaney Jr. eventually started doing his own makeup because... He really hated Jack Pierce. Yeah. Uh, and back then, makeup was very painful. Yeah. Uh, the Frankenstein makeup took like 15 hours, and they used spirit gum, and it would like sting. So yeah. like they so they built up like the spirit gum to put all this hair and stuff on, yeah. and that would just eat away at people's flesh. And even nowadays, with the you know, Kaz used to work in the factory of terror, and she would have to show up a couple hours ahead, and they would do minor makeup things to her just to get a good monster vibe going and right. okay and then run along but then i remember she would get home and then shower all that off for what would seem like forever yeah in general and i mean i i, I could see that point but it was okay so there's that answers that question too yep. so there's the wolf-like creature that goes there he kills the grave digger and he gets home and you know he's Probably one of my, I liked this part, you know, where he's laying there, the window's open, and then he starts, like, cleaning the footprints, you know, away, just to to get, get, maybe get the tracks up, and then sees the cops there, which... The guy kind of looked like the the head cop in town. Looked like Robert Stack. Yes, <laughs> to a degree. So everybody like, looked American in this movie. Yeah. yeah, besides Bell Lugosi and Maria, the other uh, yeah. none of them look. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it was bad. I yeah. mean, there was pretty much one person that was a good actor in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there was a couple oh, good actors. Like, yeah, there were good and there were bad. Like the gypsy woman is reading, and like with the scene where she's reading the. Um, She's re- telling him the lines and, you know, well, reading lines, but in my opinion, but she's telling him, okay, look, you know, you were bitten and I see that you're bitten. But it's clearly, it's like, it, it, it's to me, it's equivalent to Christopher Walken on SNL. 
Just yeah. like, it's very obvious, like he's talking to somebody, but then he turns and he's obviously reading cue cards. Yes. It's like, okay, can I see the wound? And she looks at his chest. <laughs> so funny. There's a charm I can give you. I'm like, did she just want to see this, like a peek of what this guy's shirtless Maybe. or something? Or? I mean, he's an attractive man. I guess uh, yeah. for for 1941 standards, yeah. or, well, that's also was the start of World War II. So, hey, yeah. we might be going away soon. Exactly. So Let's get a look while we can. You just kill my husband. I might as well get a <laughs> piece of the action. <laughs> True. Exactly. True, but the um... imagine if it worked the other way. Like, let me see the wound, and the girl's like, "I'm not taking off my chest." Like, if she had been <laughs> taking off my shirt, I'm like, damn. Sorry, I tried. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, so he finally, um, he he. This is all. It escalates very very quickly. And at the time, a lot of these movies, right around seventy minutes, were almost always a double feature. Yeah. So I didn't do any research as to what, and I really wish I did as to what was the second movie or what was the what was the first one on this. And, you know, do you know or? No, I don't know. I mean, I know that, um, you know, they definitely paired these movies together. Um, But I did watch a documentary once where in some theaters they did stand alone um, because I know that there was someone in a documentary that said that he went and saw The Creature from the Black Lagoon four times in a row because you just bought one ticket and they'd let you go all day. Um, oh. So it, I think it all depends on the town it was in. But I okay, do remember yeah. Creature Double Feature. Yeah. Like they, um, these were low-budget movies, and yeah. they were trying to... Yeah, and they even did them in the early 90s, too, and that's how I got into this. Yes. And I mean, remember when I was eight years old, I would go. we would go to uh, the Fall of Republic Library Yep. Every Thursday, every other Thursday, and then you know, kids were like getting books and checking them out, and I was always checking out a Universal Monster book. Nice. You know, for uh, quite a while, and then they're like, "Why are you like? I just want to know every one of them." And then we just got cable at that time, and then found the Creature Double Feature too. Yeah. TV fifty six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, that was so amazing. Yeah, that just brought back great memory of my childhood. Definitely. You You can Google photos of the advertisements from the TV (laughs) guide and stuff. It's pretty sick. Oh yeah, yeah. And then there's the commercials for the Creature Double Feature all through YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. All through YouTube itself. I mean, I'm also a fan of the Godzilla movies and yeah. just monsters and general. Yeah, so. it's it's perfect. I mean, I, I just I loved him. Bob, who's listening, I know he did that himself too. So, yeah, I'm gonna call you out, dude, on that. So I'll be uh, back next week. I mean, once we're done, I, you should tell me what your favorite modern monster movie is. Modern? Okay, okay. Well, we can that. continue yeah. this first. No, I could do that here. So, well, it wraps up and it starts really accelerating now and. You know, it goes forth, back and forth. He's back at the castle, and, you know, Claude Rains is just trying to calm everybody down, and he's with the local doctor, the cops, and everybody's trying to investigate it, and it's like, okay, well, this is my son. He's going to be here. Like, no, we're going to take him away. No, he's going to be here. Okay. And then uh, that's it. And, you know, they, they accelerate, and then they start to say, okay, well, we've been nice about it now we're going to accelerate and we're going to hunt this thing and they put a tree stand in the middle of the woods which was kind of odd a great, great callback to Ernest scared stupid but the um you know the tree stands only about three feet up yep at least where i saw it and you know that's kind of the odd thing 
Um, and the part that like where Gwen is suddenly looking for him, and then he's like, "I'm gonna go away," and this is probably one of the better scenes yeah. that I've seen. He is. Um, you know, I'm going to go away. I'm going to get out of here. I killed this guy. I killed the grave digger. I killed everybody. I'm going to go with you. You don't fucking know him. Exactly. Like, you, like, and what, you're engaged to be married. Yeah, like, what? either this guy is really freaking boring or, like, what is happening? Like, Yeah, I it, mean, they, they've never gone on a date. No. You know, it's really well, weird. Well, like... Did they sort of like where she's like, hey, they're at the carnival, and then you know he, you know his um her the the fiance just kind of veers off somewhere. Okay, we'll be friends, and you know they shoot, you know shoot some things, get to the wolf. Okay, yeah, you win, fine, and then sneak off, and then he goes off somewhere, and he's never ever really ever to be seen again. Which kind of makes me wonder how fast this was written. Or, exactly. Or, you know, like, hey, let's just get some of these things out. I and, mean, let's face facts. Yeah, is that, yeah. like, they were going for... The 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 sell was the makeup, I really yeah. feel. Like, the incredible makeup by Jack Pearson. Like, the look of the Wolfman. People, yeah. The story was just, like, how can we get the Wolfman to kill a couple people yeah. and then get to the point where he gets killed? You know? Yeah. Like, that's and essentially, yeah. That's yeah, and that's basically where we're getting. And he, um, you know, he starts to reveal to his dad that he is, he has it, and as well, his dad's like, ah, oh, bullshit. You know, yeah. no, no, you're gonna be here. And um, then it ends in the, with the final scene, and he ties him to a chair. And you know, to your point, where you're saying, you know, Claude Rains is a foot, you know, a couple feet shorter, a foot and a half shorter. Yeah. Lon Chaney's six foot four and probably around, you know, I'm about six one and around two hundred, so he's six four, probably two fifty. Yeah, he's a big man. And he ties him he ties him to a chair in the you know and faces the window. Is okay, you'll be fine. I'm gonna go out and kill <laughs> this guy. <laughs> like, wait. Yeah, stay here. The, no. You're not gonna you're not gonna do that. The equivalency of let's just keep your you know, keep a dog locked up while we go out to dinner right <laughs> which you know the dog the dog will tear up the house and uh, oh he got out oh, yeah yeah he got out yeah and you know they um it seemed like a few shots like where he's going around the tree and you know they oh we forgot one scene where he's uh, earlier where he um you know they set up the bear traps oh yeah that was a good scene that was good that yeah. was good, but there where he's getting to it and he's lurking around. It seems like they redid a couple shots or just pasted it back in. Right, they probably yeah. did. Yeah, where he's like looking around and there's the big scene, or it's on the box cover. Yeah, where he looks around the tree and he's staring off in the distance, looking for prey. Yeah, and you know that's the that's the big part of it. But then he. Um, where he gets it and the gypsy comes help him, uh, helps him out of the bear trap, and he goes back to human form. And it just shows how stupid some of these people are, but I think the Robert Stackish character kind of knew. Right. It, sort of. And even, you know, at the, at the end, it's actually it's kind of perfect that we wrap with this point on this movie. But, um, you know, at the end, he goes out, he sees Gwen, starts attacking Gwen, he puts his hand on her, and she passes out. Yeah, because that's what happened. Women were defenseless back then. Uh, sure, Jesus you know, you know, sure. But, you know, thinking, you know, cows would be here. It's like, shoot, I'd kill him. Exactly. And right there, it's like, well, I have a knife. Okay, fine, I'll just use it. And 
at least do something, I guess. I don't know. Or even my own grandmother, who was right around 18 at that time. Right. You know, she would be like, no, she like, would probably kill him. Yeah, they made women <laughs> defenseless. I mean, yeah, but it is fitting that the father kills his own son, yeah, you know? That, yeah. That, you know, where he starts bludgeoning and, you know, the same motion, same, yeah. same number of wax, right. same instrument, same motion, same look on his face yeah. as well. And that, yeah, I agree with you. That's where it was genius. Yeah, that was where it was genius. Yeah. And then I like how the cop, which, like you said, you think yeah. he probably knows. So yeah. he's covering up and he says, oh, he uh, died saving whatever. Saving Gwen. Saving Gwen's life. Yeah. You know, where he knows this guy yeah. was obviously killed by yeah. the father. But he's not going to have the father arrested. He just killed no. his own son. No. no um, so, no. yeah. And, um, I mean, I know it's cheesy, but uh, I do love this movie. And uh, they're supposed to be cheesy. They're supposed to be cheesy. Yeah. And, you know, anything with horror where you get to, like, you know, goriness of, you know, that's where sometimes where horror goes too far and it's too much of a shock and awe and there's movies yeah. now that have a cult following that are like okay this is really really good um you know this is really good but only a few people would like it and then there's the cheesiness like yes it's horror but it's not quite reality right you know that's the that's the big uh, you know that's the when a horror movie is good yeah you know there's a little element of fantasy right slightly, I would agree. you know slightly um, you want to ask me what my favorite modern day was? Yeah, modern day horror movie. I'm uh, not mo- not horror monster movie. Oh gosh, <laughs> um, I'm not so much really into the modern day, but I'm going to say really anything with Freddy. All right. Yeah, so, it, it, he's just hysterical. Yeah, he's a uh, funny it, monster. All of yeah. it, you know, and maybe depending on the mood, you know, Freddy or Chucky. I mean, and, I think feel like Freddy like originally was a child rapist, and then yeah. they turned him into like a. You know, a comedian, which yeah. is crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. True, true. I mean, I really love um, Godzilla, and uh, the Godzilla that I love is uh, one called Giant All Out Monster Attack. That's yeah. a really good one uh, for people who want to see. It's not that new, but worth mm-hmm. seeing. What was the new Godzilla you mentioned a lot of times, and you said this was a really good one? Um, well, the there's Shin Godzilla, which just came out in Japan. That one's pretty good. Um, but I do like the American, the last American Godzilla. I know some people didn't like it, but yeah. uh, I really liked it. Um, and also Pacific Rim. Uh, yeah. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but it's really grown on me. And yeah. Pacific Rim 2 is coming out. So those are all mm. good modern yeah. monster oh. movies you can see. Yeah, I would actually say, yeah, that, that's good, yeah. Cool, so yeah. go check and it out. It's somewhat of a... F- you know, somewhat of a weird monster one, I would say, because we were just talking about it because my in-laws are in town, but we mentioned it at dinner last night, is some of the Sharknado movies. Yeah, I've never the, seen them, but I heard Oh, uh, they're, they're, it's just so bad, it's good. Like, if you have a bunch of friends around the house and a couple of drinks and nothing better to do, like, they know they're bad. Yeah. Like, they know they're bad, and they do that. And there's a scene... Uh, in Sharknado 3, I believe, where they're trying to give a scare, but they know they're cheesy. Yeah. And he, and I saw this, I'm laughing, like the lead actor, the guy who from 90210, and it shows how much I really paid attention to it. He uh, is given a golden chainsaw, which is his, you know, his weapon of choice for killing the sharks. Right. At the White House by the President of the United States. And there's this big ballad, you know, and they're they're um, the big ball and this big thing in his honor, and the, the members of the press are there. But then suddenly there's a Sharknado heading straight to the White House in D.C. 
<laughs> so they're like, okay, here we go. And then 15 minutes into it, and this is as far as I got to it, is the he uses the golden chainsaw, which is a real working golden chainsaw. All the Secret Service is dead. <laughs> and it's him and the President of the United States killing sharks with a golden chainsaw and a machine gun. Just because that's just America. Like, exactly. Like, and it's just there. There are so many good modern day stuff. Like, I think the best modern day horror movie was a remake. And uh, we mentioned it earlier in this month was uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. But I think the oh, Rob Zombie that. version. Yeah. The first one, spectacular. Yeah, I think it's really good. We watched that the other day. Yeah, spec freaking tacular. I and mean, then they did that. They got the background in there, okay. And they're, you know, and it has some cheesiness, yes, because it's just basic typical rednecks and all that. And but it's still it gave a modern day, like, okay, you know, and the wolf and it's good to bring this up because then the wolf man, it's okay. You mentioned modern uh, you know, horror time at that point is people you don't know who's going through this because nobody talked about anything. Right. And, you know, people don't talk about coming from abusive homes and, you know, suddenly if they're they're not nurtured, they snap. Right. And, you know, that I think Rub Zombie did a fantastic job. The second one, not so much. But the first one was really good. It was perfect. Uh, yeah. It was just uh, that like that's a that's a horror movie that you need to do in general. Um, so we usually do this at this point. We talk about fantasy casting. All right. So. If you could take this movie, put it in the modern day, who would you cast in any of these roles? Well, first off, the director. Why don't we start with the director? I sure. would choose uh, Guillermo del Toro, the director Ooh. of Pan's Labyrinth Ooh, and yeah, Hellboy. Yeah. I just yeah. think that he's so good, and he's got such a love of monsters that I yep. think that he would do really, really good. Yeah, so. okay, so... I'm going to go with this with a movie theater time machine staple, and I would say Tarantino Okay. on this because he only has a few movies left that he's going to do before he calls it quits. Right. I just want to see a tribute to a Universal Monster movie because that's one of the genres he hasn't touched. Yeah, he's, he hasn't really touched horror. Well, he did uh, Grindhouse, but that was really it. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was sort of a pet project, so yeah. to speak, but... The love of the '70s movies, but I would say just go back to you go back to the Universal period, right? At that point, um, and same reason why uh, Gene Wilder did. Um, oh crap! The name of the movie is escaping me, but the black and white movie they did with Mel Brooks. Oh, um, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, but, uh, duh, yeah, yeah. They're here, but he did that just as a love for that. But I would love to see that, and maybe it would be a little more gore, a little funny yeah. at times. But it would just it would something would be interesting. Um, in terms of the Wolfman, I would want to choose someone that was really a great actor, someone that could pull sympathy. Yep. Um, so maybe someone like a Denzel Washington, where he's not who you would think, and someone that could really pull the like realizing that he had been a murderer. You know, just a great. We would need a great actor. Yeah. That's what I feel like. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one here, and you're either gonna hate this or love this. Okay. But for the Wolfman, I would say Robin Williams. Okay, so we're going dead people too? Yeah. Okay. Anything. Anything at all, whatever you right. want to do. But Robin Williams in general, have you ever seen the movie One Hour Photo? Yes, and he's a yeah. great actor. I mean, I know that. Fantastic he... actor, yeah. Right. But he personally would do that because when he played Cy, the photo guy, yeah. that entire town developed photos. And in my personal opinion, that movie probably killed, you know, yeah. probably killed developing photos. 
yes. in general <laughs> at CVS or anything, yep. you know, single handed because you watch and you're like, yeah, I ordered single prints, but shit, did they print double yep. in general? But it's just the scene where he starts to change and you see the hairy legs and I would just, I see that side, the photo guy, yeah, that very serious side of where yep. he played that and uh, like where he was... Um, uh, he played a couple of really serious roles, like when, when he did Good Will Hunting and when he did a couple others, and it's just he could have done that, yeah. in my opinion. Maybe miss him a little bit, but we'll say, but others, what do you think? Um, well, if I chose Denzel Washington for my Wolfman, then yeah. I would choose someone as his father, like, um, yeah. you know, either Morgan Freeman or, like, um, I would even think of maybe if we made like Forrest Whitaker into an old man, you know, mm, something like that. Yeah, Ooh, so, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, something along that lines. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering how we would put it in modern day. You know, if we were doing a modern day yeah. um, uh, Wolfman. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I was going to say because of the twistiness of it, because Claude Rains looked nothing like him. I would yeah. say if you did Robin Williams, I was actually going to say Morgan Freeman as his dad just yeah. for the hell of it and uh, yes. you know, <laughs> no you realize that you're part of the estate and you're a talbot yeah you too really <laughs> <laughs> what i would love to see is if they made a wolfman movie yeah. is make it in like in like a an advent i'm trying to think of like maybe like a tribe like like set it in like brazil you know what i mean, you know what I mean? and set uh, it like into yeah. like this tribe of people like almost like apocalyptic where they don't really speak English or anything yeah. but all of a sudden this one person starts to transform and yeah. it, you know what I mean like if we did something like that and they did all no name actors yeah. you know like I think that would be sick Ooh. you know like, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like all of a sudden this one guy goes out on a hunt and he gets bit by a werewolf and bit, bit by a wolf and the next thing you know people in the village start dying yeah you know? yeah so like almost like a district nine yeah, something like type that. Type scenario where like there was no actors, but it still it did very it did very well. Yeah, doesn't hold up too well, but no, I could see your. Regardless of that, I could see something along that line. Too. Yeah. Something just like no. uh, completely different that they haven't yeah. done. Yeah, any of the female actors, or maybe who would do the Bella role, or um, let me see. Yeah, in terms of the Bella role, that's really hard for a gypsy because everybody wants to pick Johnny Depp every time there's a gypsy. because eh, then you of... get into it. Is Tim Burton gonna do that? And yeah, that I would, would say suck. Tom Waits because he's a great actor. He's not only the greatest musician of all time, just so you people know. <laughs> He also is a great actor. Go see Seven Psychopaths, where he also played Renfield in Dracula. Tom uh, Tom Waits would be my Bella character. In terms of the ladies... Um, the lady characters were so bland, and that's the tough part. Like, yeah. like I love so many great actresses. I'd be like, oh, Julianne Moore, or like, but I'm like, why are we gonna stick this great actress in this role that is like meaningless? They're basically like eye candy. We'd have to revamp their characters and make them completely, uh, yeah. Make them, you know, not cry like a bitch. Yeah, I would say something like a Tina Fey or an Amy Poehler. Okay. That would, yeah. Do so you want the comedic to, at- atmosphere? But I think they could do some serious sides to it, but it has to have some, you know, I've been binge watching Parks and Recreation yeah. a lot. So, of course, we'd see that. But the, the thing about that, when you said it, that, that kind of triggered my mind. And the two of them are really good at writing female roles that are not just stereotypical female, where they talk yep. about a man 80% of the time they're on screen. 
but they have something about themselves. Yes. You know, so I think if you did that, yeah, you'd have to show some depth. And, you know, not like the Emma Watsons or the Kristen Stewart's no. or the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's. No, I'd want like, an older cast. Yeah. And that's why I picked Denzel. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'd want I, like I agree. A, yeah, I agree. So, so. like uh, like a Kathy Bates yeah. who could, Kathy, do, some, yeah. who could cool. do something like that or... Um, Oh uh, man, my mind is doing going blank today. But that's all right. Yeah. Hey, do we have time to, sh- to, to talk about one last thing before we? G- I know it's one. Yeah. No, there. just one bit with it. With yeah. the um, with the with the Bella roll. Yeah. Christopher Walken. All right. <laughs> he I would love just, Christopher Walken. Uh, he would sell it or like Jeff Bridges and somewhat like a a Big Lebowski roll too. Yeah. Like, oh man, you see what you're gonna do? Oh shit. Hey, come back tomorrow and we'll go ahead and read your <laughs> phrase, man. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I don't know. But all right. One last thing. What do you got? One last thing. So um because it's yeah. Halloween spirit and yes. I was uh, I was listening to NPR this week and yes, I'm over forty, so I listen to NPR. And so uh, they're interviewing um huh. this guy called Grady Hendrix, and it was a really awesome interview, and it's Halloween based, that's why I'm mentioning it. He wrote a new book and it's called Paperbacks from Hell. And as you know from being a product of the 70s and 80s like me, um, you used to go to grocery stores and they would have these paperbacks that would have... Amazing covers. Yeah, the stories might be yeah. shit, but they were they were horror, <laughs> True. right? True. Yeah. And his point was that there's all these movie podcasts and clubs where people discover movies that are lost and forgotten, right? Yeah. Like a movie that was not a cult, maybe hasn't become a cult classic, but they'll pull it out and all of a sudden it becomes a cult classic. Right. Well, right, right. no one really did that for books, so he's trying to decide what genre he did, and he went to a bookstore and he's fishing through, and he found this book called Little People. And I'm going to show Nick the cover. On the cover right. is a leprechaun Nazi holding a bullwhip. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> a leprechaun Nazi holding a bullwhip. And uh, it was written by John Christopher. It's a, it's an amazing cover. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so this book, Paperbacks from Hell, has some of the really cool cover art. I'm showing Nick. I wish you guys had TV here so we could show you. Uh, post those um, on our on our uh, Facebook yeah. page if you can, but then I'll do that too. So it's but, an awesome, uh, yeah. awesome new book for Halloween. I'm, I'm thinking about buying it once I get back from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just wanted to give that a shout out. So yeah. uh, his name, once again, is Grady Hendrix. So Grady, you know, we should probably contact Grady and tell him we gave him a shout out on your podcast. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we uh, should, definitely. So maybe uh, you should check out Grady Hendrix's book. It looks really sick and uh if anyone has an extra copy of little people yeah feel free to send it to me at 59 media and yeah. i'm sure nick will get it to me yeah i uh, will find some way to get it to you but that that yeah no i just that that you broke me man <laughs> you broke me on that nothing says halloween like leprechaun nazis <laughs> i once bought a movie because you know how on the movie they'll give reviews <laughs> they'll be like siskel says this is the greatest movie of the year yeah. well on the dvd it said the greatest Nazi mo- Nazi zombie movie of all time. And I'm like, there's someone out there that's seen every <laughs> Nazi zombie movie, <laughs> and this is the one that they're like, this is the greatest. <laughs> well, there's one movie we want to do that's just, like, we do a lot of silent film, we do a lot of older ones, we pull a lot of actors that we don't, that don't usually get talked about. Yeah. Like one of our favorites is Buster Keaton. Yeah. And we found a movie, just a trailer, randomly, I forgot the movie we were watching or we were trying to find but we found it it's called how to stuff a wild bikini oh yeah i've heard of that movie yeah and it's uh, it's buster keaton as a witch doctor 
Yeah. You know, who is just basically terrorizing, you know, a bunch of kids who just go hang out at the beach, you know, during this one summer. And or at least that's what I got. But there's a there's an animated bikini dancing by itself in front of a green screen of a beach, which I'm like, hmm. That's something we got to see. But along that yes. same lines, and now you showed me that, I'm like, okay, we have to find that. But please, um, if you could post that to the movie theater time yes. machine page. So little people, uh, yeah, but yeah. paperbacks from hell. Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested. And Yasmin shook her head and just rolled her eyes because she knows me. <laughs> and when I see something weird like leprechauns holding bull whips in Nazi <laughs> outfits, I'm like, I somehow need to read this book. <laughs> my birthday's oh, November 6th so any fans out there <laughs> oh, good damn, birthday good god alright so I think we'll close this one out and um, we would say with our friends of Movie Theater Time Machine and also the fans of Blockbuster Dropouts we definitely shows that we really really enjoy each other very much so, um, you know, without me, there would be here. I mean, it, all this became because I went on an episode with you where we talked about some shitty Fateful Findings movie. Exactly. And they're Terrible. like, okay, wow, I could kind of do this. And then that rode along. So thank you. For no problem, me a man. Shot. And one day, Blockbuster Dropouts will be back. We're on yeah. a temporary hiatus, but, uh, yeah. you know, we'll come back stronger than ever. And Movie Theater Time Machine will we'll, we'll pick up the pace when we have the shot. So. All right, so friends, have a safe and happy Halloween. Enjoy yourself, and we'll see you later. Um, we'll be back at full force next week, so enjoy yourselves now. Be good. Take care of yourselves. Don't be too good. <laughs> <laughs>